All right, they heard I was coming and they're all leaving. <laughs> How exciting. Um, hey, my name is Gil Stiglitz and I am uh, over at Adventure in Roseville. We're excited about all that God is doing here. And I guess Pastor Scott has decided to take a retreat with a number of leaders. And so he decided to foist me upon you. And uh, we are excited about uh, the opportunities of, that God is doing here. Very encouraged about your being here in Benvenuti and all the different things and the ways you interact in the community. We are going through our own changes over there at Adventure in Rockland. We have, uh, in the last, since the last time I was here, Pastor Rick has handed the senior pastoral baton to another man named Pastor Tommy Politz. And we have merged with a church in Texas. So we are one of eight campuses across two states over 14,000 people attending those eight campuses, and we are trying to figure out what that means. And uh, we believe that it means the opportunity for us to reach out into Northern California with more power, more opportunities to do things for people, um, and to start uh, new evangelistic opportunities. Pastor Rick is on a one-year sabbatical, um, and then he'll come back and join our, our uh, staff uh, in uh, September of 2015. And uh, lots of interesting things happening. Let me uh, pray, and then we'll just launch in, if you're okay with that. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would, by your grace and your mercy, minister to us uh, out of your word, that we might hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. A number of years ago, in fact, uh, right when the whole uh, Toyota Prius thing was just coming out, I had been asked to go back uh, to a convention in uh, Tennessee, and it was pretty exciting. So they put me on a plane, and I flew back there, and I landed at the airport. And uh, the rental car place said, hey, we've got these new cars in, these electrical cars. Would you like to rent one? We've got one. And I said, that would be cool. I've never, I've never driven one of those. So they said, great. So they pulled it around, and they had it running, and they said, I filled out the paperwork, and I jumped in it. And I drove the 25 miles or so um, to where this convention thing was and met with all the folks and spoke and did some interesting things. And, and then when it was time for lunch, they, a whole bunch of the dignitary people said, hey, let's go to lunch. And I said, hey, I have one of these new electric cars. It's really cool. You want to ride in it? And they said, yeah. So three or four of the big mucky muck people said, let's get in Gil's new car. So we all get in and I had no clue how to turn it on. And I sat there, and I didn't know what to do. And I looked like a complete idiot. You know, because back then, we didn't understand buttons, started cars. And oh, am I? Oh, okay, good. So it's, okay, so this doesn't need to work anymore? Okay, okay. thank you, Dan, for that. Um, so if you're just hearing this now, then we're right in the middle of the story. Um, but... Uh, so I'm sitting there, and all of these really dignitary kind of people are saying, okay, well, let's go. And I, I literally had no clue how to start the car, none. And I'd driven there in it, enjoyed it, but they'd never trained me how to restart the thing. So eventually, after a half an hour, because we all tried to figure it out. Nobody could figure it out. We'd never seen one. I called the rental place, and they said, there's a button. And we press the button, and you know, even then it doesn't sound like it's running. And so, other than the fact that I look like a complete idiot, I discovered that there are some things 
that I don't know how to activate if I don't have training. And that's what I want to talk with you about today. In my opinion, many of us who come to church have become Christians, and the pastor has started up our Christian life and loaded us into it and said, off you go! And then we're out there on Wednesday, and we don't know how to turn it back on. And we don't know how to make it work. And so what I want to do is take a passage, which is one of my favorite passages, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. So if you have your Bibles or you have your phone or your iPad and you want to turn to that on the U version or whatever and take a look at that, because this verse will make a huge difference in your life if you will embrace it. It is, I just go back to it over and over and over again. So as you are turning, let me just kind of walk this through. How do you activate your Christianity? Do you rub a lamp, you know, kind of the whole genie thing? Do you need to go to church more? That's what I find many Christians get all excited about church because the service was great, and then they don't know how to activate their Christianity on Wednesday, so they try and go to church more. Let me just tell you, that's not how you activate Christianity. Um, then, where's the switch? How do I turn it on? There are some churches, interestingly enough, this is not one of them, and I don't typically subscribe to that. It's You go to church and you kind of hope for a holy zap. And then you're, you're loaded up, and then you kind of, you know, slowly go, you know, down to zero by the end next, and then you get another one. There is, the, sometimes that's the idea. Now, what I want to do is I want to go right back to the words of Jesus and have him tell us how the Christian life, how Christianity can be active in our life all the time. And so, uh, hit the next one. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 18, Excuse me. Making sure all my things are in the right place. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Now, let's take a look at it. Come unto me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There it is. That's what I want to teach you. We could stop right now because you know it. It's really simple. But I think there's three ideas in that statement. It's really just a phrase that Jesus speaks to us, and he says, this is the key to having what you want me to do in your life. You want rest. And what rest means is not that you're sitting, you know, on a lounge chair eating pizzas and sodas. Rest is that your life has more energy flowing in than you are putting out, that you can keep going without feeling radically exhausted. So, Hit this next one here. I want to focus on this word come. The first word is, is the first idea. And uh, hit this next slide here if you're taking notes and you're working on that. The first thing we have to do is come to Jesus for our solutions. I find that there are all kinds of different places we can go to solve the problems in our life. And our world is full of various solutions. Sometimes the last place we think to go, even as Christians, is to Jesus. I was, uh, I don't normally do this, but I was channel surfing, and I ran across this PBS special on vegetables. And I found myself watching it. I was fascinated that this woman, she was a little bit of an older woman, but she was singing the praises of vegetables. And she was basically saying that all of the problems of the world could be solved if people would eat more vegetables and fruit. And I was just fascinated by it. She just kept going on and on. 
And it was like, wow, your kids will be smarter and world problems will go away. And then the whole change, and I thought, this woman is honestly saying, come to vegetables. And have you, haven't you ever been to, you know, some of those things where it says, come to this exercise thing? Or I, I've even watched some of those infomercials every once in a while. So it says, if you had a facelift, everything would go. And I'm thinking, really? You think everything will be solved if your skin is stretched faster over your face? I mean, and it's fascinating to me that in the world in which we live, everyone seems to be trying to sell us some place to go for our solutions. Now, what Jesus says here is, come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. Now, what's interesting about this phrase, come to me, is where he says it, not what he says, because it's pretty obvious. Come to me means come to me. He's just got done with a campaign stop on his preaching tour, and he's in his, his new adopted hometown of Capernaum. If you look at the verses above this in Matthew chapter 11... He's actually saying to the city that he made his preaching headquarters, the city of Capernaum, about 2,000 people in it. He's saying every kind of possible miracle has been done in this town to prove to you that I'm God. And you've rejected me. You've all heard me. You've all watched my miracles. You've all seen me heal people and touch people and do things that no human can do. And yet you refuse because the city was still resisting him. And he then, at the end of this, he says, this city will be destroyed because of your rejection of me. You refuse to come. And then he says to all of them one more time, come to me. Would you just come? If you come to me, I will give you rest. If you keep doing what you're doing, you will stay weary and heavy laden. Now, what we know from history is even though the city of Capernaum should never have been destroyed because it's right near a freshwater outlet, it's right near the Jordan River, it's right along the Sea of Galilee, it's completely destroyed, it's ruins, and exactly what Jesus said would happen, happened. Now, what I find in my life is that when God brings me to a place where I don't know what I'm doing, I need to literally, and I do this in prayer, usually at night for me, and I'll just say, Lord Jesus, I don't know what I'm doing. I need to have a solution to something in my life. And I literally ask him, could you give me the solution to this situation in my finances? Could you give me the solution to this in my workplace? Could you give me the solution to this in this other part of my life? If I don't do that, what I find myself doing is trying to survey all of this stuff on my own, using my own wisdom using my own ideas. And he says, come to me when you have a problem you don't really know how to solve. Now, let's take a look at this next phrase. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. In other words, you'll only get the solution when you admit that what you're doing right now is not working. It's just not working. Now, um, hit this next one there. My life tends to get really exciting when I admit I'm stupid. Have you kind of picked that up? Not just about my life, but maybe about yours. Maybe it is only my life. I find that as long as I pretend that I know what I'm doing, that I've got it all together and that I'm plowing ahead, then I don't come to Jesus and I don't, he doesn't send the solution. Now, literally, I'm, this is literally what I do. I say, Lord, this is not working. I don't know what to do. 
you have to send me some new thing I've never heard of or some new way of doing this because the way I'm doing it right now is not working. Now, let me just say, what I find many of us do, and I've done this in the past, I've said, Lord, what I'm doing right now is not working. Can you change them? But that is not what Jesus says. He doesn't say, change my wife, change my boss. He says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and have what you're doing isn't working, and ask me for my solutions to it. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> get all choked up about that. Now, you have to admit that what you're doing isn't working, and you'd like to have a new one. Now, um, I think I have one more here. Hit this next one. Yes, I have to regularly admit that what I need to do next, I don't know. Um, Let me just give you a few examples. I've thrown in about three or four examples in this part just so that you can get a feel for how it works in my life. This may be a little different for you, but I think this is exactly the way God wants you to work with it, just as as I tend to work with it. Last February, my daughter, who is now a senior in college, um, was in her junior year, and we basically had run out of money to get the kids through school. One had already went through college, and I I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know. I'm talking with my wife and talking with my daughter. How are we going to do this? And all of the solutions that I'd come up with on my own were stupid or were really bad news. And so I remember praying, Lord, you've got to give me a solution. I I need you. I'm out of ideas. I'm out of gas. Help me. And so what's fascinating to me is out of nowhere, my brother-in-law comes up to have coffee with his brother and my wife. And he spouts the solution that we were looking for. Let me just hit the thing. This is the brother-in-law who gave Jesus' solution. His name is Mike. We rarely see him. I am convinced he needed to have coffee in Roseville because Jesus said, Gil's stupid, he's finally admitted it, go up there, give the solution to his sister, and she'll get it to him. And it was just brilliant. He said, this is how we handle that. And it was like, duh, whoa. Now, what I find is is that Jesus, when I pray, when I literally come to him and say, I don't know what to do, he will send me a person, he'll send me a book, he'll send me something somewhere through a magazine, an article, and I'll go, oh, that's from him, because I needed that. Let me give you another illustration. This happened this summer. Um, I'm praying, as my wife and I have you know, work through the whole process, and my wife's going through this educational thing where she's finishing her doctorate. It's really cool, but it's costing money and all these other things. And saying, Lord, we need to have a new way of budgeting. We need to have a new thing because what's worked has worked so far, but we need something new. And I I don't know what to do. Everything I know to do, I've tried, and it's not working. Could you give me something new? So I'm at church, and what happens a man who was in a Bible study of mine comes by and says, oh, Pastor Gill, thank you so much for all of this advice you've given me on helping me with my budgeting. And he begins to tell me about stuff that's changing his life that I told him that I don't know. (laughs) And I was like, really? And I said, tell me about that. He said, oh, yeah, I remember you said this. And and I'm, I'm... What he was telling me, he's telling me some stuff I do remember, but then he said, he hit this next one, he told me about this computer program I had never heard of before that he told me I told him about, (laughs) called YNAB, You Need a Budget. 
It's a, and I've tried all. I've tried lemon. I've tried mint. I've tried all. And what's interesting about this particular one is he said in four months, it allowed him and his wife to get completely out of debt and to have one month's money saved up so they paid all their bills on last month's money. And I thought, and he was telling me, thank you so much for telling me about it. And I went, I didn't tell you about it. And I realized this was Jesus saying, idiot, this is the guy, and this is, try this. And I went, I said to my wife, honey, do you think we ought to try this? Yeah. So we tried, and it's absolutely amazing. Now, it might not be amazing for you because it might not be the solution for you. But, and it's not that. What I'm excited about is that Jesus sent the information to me. Now, let me tell you about another one. Hit the next one. As adventure is going through a lot of changes, we're discovering all kinds of different things that are happening. And how do I handle this situation? How do I handle this person? And what do I do about that? And what I've discovered is is that regularly in my leadership, um, I come to the end of what I know. And I don't know how to handle this person. And I don't know what to do when this employee says that and blows up this situation or whatever else. And so what I do at night is I make a list of my workplace problems of this person and that situation, and I then read the book of Proverbs and say, God, how am I supposed to solve this situation tomorrow? Jesus, give me your ideas. And the book of Proverbs is Jesus's people management book. In fact, it tells us in the book of Proverbs that there are 63 different kinds of fools. I I don't know whether you realize that, and we've probably got all of us represented here in this room. It tells us there are eight friends of wisdom. It tells us how to be a leader. It tells us how to walk our way through specific kinds of things. And so eventually, like this particular cover is, I, I was so fascinated by the book of Proverbs that I wrote a devotional commentary called Breakfast with Solomon. I originally wrote it to be able to be wisdom for my daughters. I have three daughters, and I knew that they wouldn't necessarily listen to me, but that they might be willing to listen to Solomon. And so I have written, it's 1,800 pages. It took me 10 years to compile it. And it's my understanding of the wisdom of God through Solomon to us. Now, what I'm finding interesting is I find it fascinating when Jesus sends me back to stuff I wrote to tell me, you're stupid, listen to what I said. Now, those are just three issues that happen to have come up within this last year on a number of occasions for me. And what I've found is that when I honestly in prayer say to Jesus, Jesus, I don't have a solution to this and I'm coming to you. I could go to the vegetable lady. I could go to the psychic hotline. I could go to some wackadoodle, whatever, but I'm coming to you. I find that when I say, Jesus, I'm coming to you, he usually will, within six weeks, send me a book, a person, a something, a Bible verse, and I'll go, that's it. That's it. Then I always check with my wife to make sure that it's really God, and, and then she gives me, sets me straight. And it, it, what I'm amazed at is, is that Jesus has not failed me. I have been a Christian for over 40 years, and that when I press the button start during the week, Jesus starts. When I keep handling it on my own and I keep trying to do the best I can and I ask my friends who are also dumb and don't know that, and I follow their things, it doesn't work. But when I say, Jesus, I have to, I'm weary and I'm heavy laden and what I'm doing isn't working. 
can you give me a solution? Can you tell me what I need to know? And he does. And I'm, sometimes it's a person who comes by and guides me. Sometimes it's a book. Sometimes it's a Bible verse. Sometimes it's a whole book. It, it's fascinating. I have to laugh. One time when, when my wife and I were pregnant with our first child, and it was eight months along, and I realized, I can't put this back. Uh, it's coming out, and I got to know what I'm doing. I, this is big stuff like parenting. We got 20 years. And so I begin to cry, Jesus, make sure, get, get, make sure I've got the parenting. I'm stupid and I don't know what I'm doing and I can't put this back, so could you please help me? And we're walking down, my wife and I, eight months pregnant, walking down this place, and this guy leans over the table and says, you need this book, and it was on parenting. Now, I assume it was probably because he was looking at my wife's pregnant body and saying, you know, what, what was interesting, it was the perfect parenting manual for us. And I don't believe it was that guy. I believe it was Jesus who's saying, I'm going to get this to Gil because otherwise he's just going to mess this up. Does this, am I making sense here? See, I believe, don't tell anybody, Jesus is alive. And that when you cry out to him, he will come to you. And he may come in the form of a person. He may come in the form of a book. He may come in form of an advice. He will bring you the information. Now, you have lots of other options that you know is wrong, and it will also come to you. But just come to him, and he'll get it to you. It's just fascinating to me. Now, let's go on. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What Jesus says here is, you have to come to me. You have to admit you don't know what you're doing, or the way you're doing right now isn't really working. And then what I think he's saying about this is, he's saying, I will give you a new way of living, a way of living in which the energy out is not more than the energy in. That's what rest is. Now, you have to begin to do Jesus' solutions. Now, can we just be honest? Many times what we do is we come to church, or we read the Bible, or we cry out to Jesus and he gives us his solutions and we say, okay, Jesus, let me compare yours with other people's. And we kind of look at it as kind of like it's a shopping thing. Okay, there's Jesus' website and then there's Nordstrom's website and, and then there's, you know, the vegetable lady's website. And we, we try and compare, which one do I want to do? And what I think Jesus is saying is you're not going to have rest. You're not going to get my rest unless you actually do what I say, not compare whether you think it's wise. You have to say, Lord, send me your ideas and I will do them. I want your rest. I don't know what I'm doing. I think I do, but it's not working. And I have found in my whole life, I've been a Christian for 40 years now, over 40 years, and I've found that every time, every part of my life, there are areas where I think I know what I'm doing, but I don't know. And Jesus is kind enough to not reveal them all at the same time. He just points out a few this week and a few next month and a few. And, and I just have to keep saying, Lord, oh, here's a new area where I'm kind of dumb. I just thought I had it together. And so would you send me your solution? And it's going to take me six months to a year to figure out how to do it. But could you help us? And could you help me? And he does. It's absolutely fascinating. Have, let me just ask you, have you ever been in a situation where you thought you knew what you were doing and what you were doing was really wrong? Yeah, a few of you are shaking your heads. Some of you are not willing to admit that. It's okay. 
I, there is just this sense that we want to believe we know what we're doing. I was just down in Monterey with my middle daughter, just a wonderful young lady. She's 21 years of age, and she said, Dad, I met this boy, and I want to have some advice from you. I said, this is good. This is good. Let's talk. And so she said, he's handsome, and he's this, but I don't have any feelings yet for him. I said, well, just see if this thing plays out. And I had to tell her the story of the fact that your mother had to be talked into marrying me. Because I had all the right qualities, but I was too loud, and I dressed weird, and I was too thin. And there, there was a time when that was true. I realize you have to take that by faith. But, and, and I remember I kept dating people, and no young ladies wanted to keep dating after a while. And finally, my sister, I cried out to Jesus, please help me, please help me. My sister pulled me aside and said, Gil, you're an idiot when it comes to dating. She said, and she straightened me out on a number of things. And then God had, had to, in a number of different ways, convince my wife, yes, it is the right person, and you can work with him a little bit, so go ahead, marry him. And we just had a delight. I can't tell you what a wonderful, amazing, godly woman she is. What a great marriage we have. I just am enthralled with her every day. We've been married 26 years. We have three wonderful children. And if we were to do marriage my way, it would be a mess. But if we do keep doing it his way, it's amazing. Now, let's go on. Um, or am I at the end already, Dan? Okay, I guess I'm, oh, yes, yeah, th- this is what I thought. I believe that all of us have ten major relationships in our life. Our relationship with God, our own personal life, our marriage, family, work, money, society, church, friends, enemies, and that if you are willing to say to Jesus, Jesus, my money isn't working, or my friendships, I don't have any, or I, I need new ones because the ones I've got are really weird, or whatever it is, or my marriage, or my family, my parenting, my relationship with my parents isn't working, I believe if you come to him and you say, Jesus, give me your solutions, I believe he is alive, and he will send you the solution. Now, I think you have to do the second one, and that is you have to admit that you need his solution. Now, here's what, you know what I would like to have? I would like to pray, Lord Jesus, over the course of my life, I'm going to need a lot of solutions. Could you make a binder show up on my bookshelf that I could start reading about all the ones I'm going to need when I'm a little bit older? That is not the way Jesus does it. He doesn't send a binder with notes. Actually, he has. It's called the Bible. Um, But what I find is, is that Jesus actually needs us to be in the thick of being an idiot and then to humble ourselves and say, Jesus, what I'm trying, how I was trained, what I learned in school, what my parents taught me in this particular case isn't working. Would you, I'm coming to you because you must have a better solution than this. I must be doing something wrong. Make it different. Give me something new. I have to admit that I'm weary and heavy laden. And some of you today, you're out of gas. You're completely out of gas. And not in a good way. You're just out of gas because it's just sideways, financially, maritally, in some way. And Jesus is saying, would you come to me and ask me for a different solution, for a different way of living? 
You don't have to keep living this way. And then third, when Jesus gives you the solution, you need to start doing it. When this computer program that I told this man about that I didn't, and he told me back about it, we tried it. My wife and I, it took us a number of months, but it's amazing, and it took us a while to figure it out, but we started trying it. When my brother-in-law said, here's how you fix the situation with the college thing, it took us a while to figure it out. We had to talk to this and that and bank, and it was great. It was just wonderful. And when I look at the Proverbs and I say, oh, this is how you want me to treat that person at work, I have to try it. I have to work with it. It's, it has to come out of the conceptual cloud into reality, and I have to start working with it. I'm excited to tell you that I think this verse is the way to activate your Christianity on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. When he says, come to me and admit that what you're doing isn't working. You are weary and heavy laden. And then when I tell you what to do, do it and watch the rest begin. Watch the change begin. Now, at this point, I usually will pray. But let me just ask at this point. I don't know where you are in your own sense of weariness or heavy laden. It may be that you don't have a relationship with God and you're willing maybe today for the first time to say, Jesus, I'd like you to make me connected to God. Maybe some of you need to pray about your finances because that's maybe what, you know, I shared two examples of that. Maybe it's about your work. You need to decide some things about how you work, where you work, what you do. Maybe some of you need to think about parenting or something else. As we go to prayer, if this is where you are, then cry out to Jesus. And he will show up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus. I thank you for how you have blessed us and how you are real and how you continually show up in my life to give me miracle solutions, new ideas that are beyond me. I am thankful that when I cry out to you and I admit that I don't know what I'm doing, that I don't know how to fix this, and I don't know how to solve that, that you will send me help, and I have to be willing to do it. I pray for these folks that they would come to the end of themselves in those specific areas where you're pointing it out. I pray that some of them would stop praying that their partners or the other people would change and that they would start praying that you would send them the solution. It may mean that they need to change. It may mean that they need to get away from where they are. But you do have a solution. May we come to you, admit that we are weary, and then do what you've asked so that we can have rest. In Jesus' name, amen.